Well, hey, Merry Christmas. Oh, come on now. There's more than four of you. Merry Christmas. Yeah, there we go. It's a big deal. Kids are excited. Parents are quasi-excited. But we're here. We're celebrating what is the most significant moment in the history of the world. And that is my hope and my prayer, is that this night would not just be a night that we rush through because it's what we do. We go to church, so we get, check that box and get on to the next thing. But recognizing, no, we pause to remember this significant sacred moment of God showing up in our world. That 2,000 years ago, that Christ was born, God with us, Emmanuel, into the brokenness, the dirtiness, the mess of this planet. But it's not just simply a night that we remember what God did. It's a night that we remember what God is doing. That even tonight, just as God showed up 2,000 years ago, God wants to show up in our lives, in the dirtiness, the brokenness, the mess, the confusion, and the chaos. And I love that when God showed up, the King of kings and Lord of lords who reigns over everything in heaven and on earth, that when God showed up, he showed up as a baby, as this precious, innocent child. Now, we know that babies cause a little bit of a mess. Amen? Now, I love that we have our kids in here. You know, we have babies and children, and, you know, it's a little chaotic and crazy, and that's okay. That's what kids do. Babies, they, they, they make it known that they're here. Babies change things, don't they? They'll change your life, amen? So I remember the first time I've had the privilege of birthing four children. Just kidding, I've never actually birthed a single child. But I was there for the birth of four children, and I feel like I had a pretty important role in the process. In fact, the first time, my job, I had one job. Some moms are shaking their heads at me, but... You don't even know, right? No, I had, this is important. I had to count to 10 over and over again. I mean, that's a big deal, right? In fact, I was so nervous as she was, as she was getting born, and we had trained for this moment. But I was so, so nervous, and as I'm, I'm over there next to Sadie, and, you know, and she's doing her little part in the whole process, but I had, I had my count. One, two three, just breathe, you know, just slow breaths. But I mean, I was amped up. I was ready to get this baby here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Breathe. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Finally, the nurse just grabs me. She's like, dad, slow down. Yes, ma'am. Yes. And I just on earth. And I remember the baby coming and that little beautiful mess. And they hand this child to me and it changed everything. Babies change everything. Now, as, uh, as we continue to have children, I mean, I, I think I sort of graduated, and uh, I, I was given more and more responsibility. In fact, uh, the, you know, with Eden, I just was lucky to count. And then uh, the next one, they let me actually cut the cord. That was kind of a, a big deal. That was exciting. And then the third one, uh, Benaiah came, and, and I actually was there with, uh, with our, um, whatever they're called, that help deliver babies. And... Uh, Midwife, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. The important part of the process. And uh, I actually got to catch my son, which is super cool. And then I, I think they figured that I had been through it three times. I kind of knew what I was doing. We didn't even need a doctor the fourth time. Uh, in fact, uh, 
we, as we were going through, Sadie at this point she knows, she knows what she's doing. She was a champ and actually really amazing. I'm being silly. She was unbelievable um, all four times giving birth to our children. And, uh, but she, you know, she's like, this baby's coming. And so we're there in the hospital, and it's like, and I try to tell the nurses, you know, hey, you know, she says the baby's coming. They're like, sweetheart, you're fine. You're going to be okay. Let's not rush this. It's gonna be, she's like, no, 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 I know. This baby's coming. They're like, calm down. It's fine. Uh, and so they all walk out of the room. Sadie grabs me by the, by the shirt, pulls me, and she's like, this baby is coming. <laughs> and so I take a quick peek, look, and I see uh, the head of my child. And so I rush out into the hall, and I go, I can see the head. Is that normal? <laughs> Which at this point, you thought DEFCON 4. They're throwing stuff. Alarm bells are going off. Everyone's rushing into the room, tossing towels at me. And so literally, I got to birth my fourth child by total accident. And uh, the doctor actually had left to go get her son off the bus and figured it wasn't happening anytime soon. And so each time, just getting more and more. But the, the, all of them, these beautiful, miraculous messes that change everything. And tonight, what we remember is that there was this beautiful, miraculous mess 2,000 years ago that didn't just change the life of this young couple or a family or even a village. The birth of this child change the world for all of history that God showed up. In fact, we divide our, our calendar by it, don't we? All of, or most of the world designates the years by the birth of this child. It sets history in motion. B.C., before Christ, A.D., Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. That we count history from that point forward. Now, some of you students know that they've tried to change that, and no longer is it B.C. and A.D., but it's B.C.E., before the Common Era, and C.E. But we still mark it by that moment. You can call it what you will, but the moment that we're marking our years by is the moment that God showed up with us, for us. And that baby, just like Jake in my fourth it comes in its own time, and that baby comes in the right time. And God showed up at just the right moment in just the right way. Thirty years after that momentous birth, Jesus would begin his public ministry with these words. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And so tonight... We celebrate that good news. And that same announcement that came 2,000 years ago is the announcement that we proclaim today. God with us, Emmanuel. And Jesus' desire is to show up for you even tonight in the same way he showed up in that little town called Bethlehem. So we're going to read the story. It's a familiar story, but my hope and prayer is that you would find yourself in a fresh way in this story. Because it's not just a story that happened, it is a story that is happening even right now. And so if you have a Bible, go and open up to Luke chapter 2, and I believe we'll pass out Bibles. If you, have, if you need a Bible, you slip up a hand as we do worship and open the Word together, and we'll get a Bible in your hand so you can follow along with this sacred and significant account of Jesus' birth. So starting in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. 
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to all the world that all the world should be registered. This is the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. I'm going to pause right there. The story continues, but even in this introducing sentence, there's some significant truths that I want us to hold on to tonight. It begins with these words, in those days, that this isn't just some mythological imagination that somebody penned. This is a, a real place at a real time, God showing up in real history. And in those days, Rome ruled the world, and Caesar Augustus ruled Rome. Caesar Augustus, say that with me, Caesar Augustus. Got some kids in the room. We're going to learn some history today. You ready? All right, this was his given name. He wasn't named Caesar Augustus when he was born. He was named Gaius Octavius, a real dramatic name. But when he became emperor of the Roman Empire, he decided to change his name, and he named himself after his uncle, Caesar, because Caesar was a name that carried with it like power and authority. And so he wanted to be called Caesar, but Caesar still wasn't good enough. It wasn't a strong enough title. And so at first, they were going to call him King Caesar. But he said, no, 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 kings are too common for me. So they were going to call him a dictator, an emperor. But he said, no, 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 that's too human. And finally, they came up with the name Caesar Augustus. Augustus means of the gods or from the gods. He wanted to be equal with the gods, one of the gods. And so he became known as Caesar Augustus, Caesar of the gods. And he ruled Rome, and Rome ruled the world. He thought himself all-powerful, that he was the center of the universe. In fact, cries would go up from the people, Caesar is Lord. And so he came up with this idea that all of the world would be taxed, that he would show his power, he would show his might. So he called all people to show back up in their hometown and pay their due to him. And so verse 4 continues, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So Joseph and Mary, we met them earlier in the story, this young couple that's meant to be married, and God shows up to them in a very personal way and says that I'm going to do something with you and in you that's going to change the world, that Mary, the Holy Spirit, is going to, to overshadow you, and you're going to miraculously give birth to a child, and that child will be the Son of God. But here's the interesting thing. They lived in this little no-name town called Monroe. I'm sorry, Nazareth. In Judea. But the baby that had been prophesied for hundreds of years that when God was going to show up with his anointed king, it had been said already that that baby was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, not in Nazareth. So God has a problem. How is he going to get this young couple that he's already said, you're going to carry this child that is the Messiah, but you're in Nazareth. How are they going to get them to this town? Micah 5.2, 700 years before the time of Mary and Joseph, God said, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. 
So God had already said that Bethlehem would be the birth of this child. But how's God going to get them to move? So here's what God does. He simply pulls the strings of the man who thinks that he's king of everything, Caesar Augustus, the one that thought he was all-powerful, the one that thought he was in total control. And suddenly Caesar has this idea, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have everyone go back to their hometown, to their family of origin to be taxed. That's what I'll do. That will show everyone how powerful I am. I can make you move where I want you to go. And what God is actually doing with Caesar is, I will make you move wherever I want you to go. And listen to me. This is important. In 2021, this is just as true, that there are those who think they're powerful, And there are those who think they have authority. And there are those who think that they control things. And there are those who think that they are in charge. But there is one who is in charge of all things. And that is no man. That is God. And God will use any man or any woman or any circumstance or any problem or any issue to accomplish his plans and purposes. God cannot be stopped. And so God took the most powerful man in the world and planted an idea that would perfectly position this little unknown couple in this little unknown town in just the right place at just the right time to fulfill the things he'd been saying for thousands of years. Because that's what God does. And that's what God still does. Like, I don't know what's going on in all of your lives. I don't know what stress you carried into this room. I don't know what's waiting for you when you get home. I don't know what next week holds. I don't know what last week held for you. I don't know the things that wake you up in the middle of the night or the things that you think about the first moment that you wake up in the morning. I don't know the chaos that surrounds you. I don't know the confusion that you're living in. I don't know where you feel lost or scared or alone or struggling. But God does. And God is so good and God is so big that he doesn't just work in spite of our circumstances. He actually weaves all of the things that feel like they're pressing against us and on us and around us to perfectly accomplish the things that he wants to do. Christmas isn't just a holiday that we celebrate, this story that we tell. It is the reality of God entering our world and continuing, even right now, to accomplish his purposes and his plans for us. If we have eyes to see. And the story continues, that while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And so she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. She brought forth her firstborn son. The implication there is that there was no one else there to assist her, just her and Joseph, no midwife, like Sadie and I had alongside of her, no doctors and nurses and machines and medicines, that all alone she and Joseph brought forth this baby and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laying him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. That Bethlehem was packed with people who had made their way to pay their taxes and there was no room for Joseph and Mary to birth this miraculous baby. There was no room for what God was doing. And sadly, 
for many of us, this is still the case today. That love requires us to make room. But often people don't have room in their hearts for Jesus. And all the busyness and the noise and the chaos and the craziness and the to-do lists and even right now the presents left unwrapped and the cookies left unbaked. The food still meant to be put together and the relatives yet to be visited. All the things that are, that are kind of inching up the back of your brain that still haven't been done. But what if right now you just stopped and remember what this is all about? What if the cookies don't get made? What if the presents don't get wrapped? What if you don't get to see all of your relatives? Is there room, is there space in your heart and your mind to encounter Jesus in this most sacred and precious of seasons? God, who stands there waiting for you, who's opened up his heart and his arms for you, wherever you find yourself, Surrounded by people, but totally alone. And some of you know that feeling. It's interesting. We have the most connected world that we've ever had in the history of the world. And at the same time, the loneliest world that we have ever had in the history of the world. You're not alone in your loneliness. We have this quasi-pseudo sense of connection, but no one really knows us and know what's going on. And here's Mary and Joseph with the, the Savior of the world surrounded by people, and no one really knows what's going on, but Jesus is there. But they weren't alone. Not just with God, but God would bring the right people at just the right time to provide what they needed to protect them, to remind them of what was true. In verse 8, in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. These were special shepherds. Or just any shepherds, mainly because of that part of the world. Some of you have actually been there with us as we stood there in the shepherd's field outside of Bethlehem, where still you can see uh, shepherds grazing their sheep. Some of you, hopefully this April, will come with us as we stand on that hillside and stand in that place that these poor, young, dirty, messy, smelly boys were standing there with their sheep. Maybe go down into the caves where they would have slept at night, where the shepherds would have taken their sheep and their flock and, and then laid in front of the entrance of that cave like a gate protecting their lambs. And as they laid there on that pitch black, dark night, all of a sudden, the sky burst forth in miraculous light. And the messengers of heaven declare a message to the most ordinary of young boys. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I've got good news of great joy 
is what the angel said to those scared boys that night. And that's what we come together to celebrate tonight. It's interesting that the first words the angel spoke, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God is doing something that you don't understand, but he wants to include you in it. And maybe for you, that's the message you need this Christmas Eve. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with, do not be afraid. The God of this universe calls into your world. I have good news of great joy. A Savior is born. That our sins have been washed away by the blood of the Lamb who was sacrificed on the cross of Calvary one day, that this baby that was born would live and grow and be killed, our sins forgiven, to be right with God, the peace of God, to be back in the presence of God, that God, in becoming a man, Jesus Christ, dwelling among us, walking with us, and then dying for us, good news announced, embodied in that baby boy. I bring you good tidings of great joy, for unto you this day is born a Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. That phrase, swaddling cloths, is actually, uh, it's just one word there. It just means strips of clothing. That baby is, is wrapped in strips of cloth. This great gift of God was wrapped. This great Christmas package it was wrapped in the most unusual way. You know, cloth throughout the gospel stories of Jesus' life carried with it significance. Obviously, Jesus, born in a manger, wrapped in strips of cloth. But years later, Jesus, with his disciples, would kneel at their feet, washing their feet with the, the cloth that had been wrapped around him. This reminder of humility and surrender, a king that came not to be served, but to serve. The same Jesus would stand in front of the tomb of one of his best friends who had just died. And he would call out, Lazarus, come out. And that dead man, wrapped from head to toe in strips of cloth, would stumble out of the tomb, bringing death from life, or life from death. And then on that miraculous Sunday, the disciples would walk into another empty tomb, the one where they had laid their servant king Jesus, the one who heals the sick and raised the dead, who'd been arrested and tortured, crucified and buried. And three days later, they would walk into that place where they had laid his dead body, and they would find the burial cloth, that which he'd been wrapped in, neatly folded and sitting in an empty tomb. And here at his birth, as they wrapped that baby in those strips of cloth, pointing to all that was to come, the shepherds would find the baby. Strips of cloth that would make the baby look like it was wrapped for burial. It's going to be a sign. This one, this babe, has come to die. This will be a sign to you. And suddenly there was an angel, a, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, among those with whom he is pleased, goodwill towards men. And what a word for us today. 
And whether that Christmas Eve word is God's presence in your loneliness, God showing up in your busyness, God's strength in your fear. Maybe that word you need today is peace. Peace. And peace in the Bible isn't just simply the absence of conflict. Though there are many of you that just wish that is what it meant. Though that's conflict in your marriage, conflict in your home, conflict with your kids, conflict in your family, conflict in your workplace, conflict in your neighborhood, conflict in our city, conflict in our nation, conflict around the world. If God would just bring peace and end the conflict. But the peace that God promises with this baby isn't just simply the absence of conflict. The word peace, shalom, means wholeness. That God is restoring, making right all that was lost, all that was broken. That God wants to bring wholeness into your life to restore you back to the wholeness that he created you to experience, even surrounded by the craziness and the conflict of this world. True peace, the peace that would last. That you can have peace on earth in your world tonight peace in your home, peace about your past, peace about your future, peace in your heart, peace in your soul. Because of the presence of Jesus Christ, God with us. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. The angels show up for the shepherds, but then the angels go away. And now the message that these angels carried, the shepherds carried The shepherds left their grassy hills and they would be the ones that would carry the message from that point forward. Just like us. God shows up into our brokenness, our mess, our pain, our confusion, our conflict. And God speaks a word of peace, of presence, of power and strength, of love and grace and forgiveness. And then he sends us to carry that message, the ways that he has shown up in our lives what we have seen and what we have heard. Just like those shepherds, we are called to make known. As we continue in worship, the invitation of God is the same for us as it was for the shepherds 2,000 years ago. God with us, the hope of the world, Even just right now, just think about where were you at this point last year? Where do you need Jesus to show up in your life? I mean, there for some of you that have little ones, little babies, this is the first Christmas with a baby in your house. And all of the, the craziness that brings, and maybe you're sitting here right now excited but exhausted, or maybe just exhausted, but you're here. 
Some of you, your children are just getting old enough to kind of understand what's going on. For some of you, uh, this is your first, you got married this year. This is your first Christmas together as a family and all the fights, I mean joy that that brings. <laughs> One of Sadie and I's first fights actually was about who gets to put the Christmas lights on the tree. Like really important conversations like that. But for some of you, it's not about babies, it's not about new relationships. For some of you, you've lost people this year. This is your first Christmas to not have somebody sitting at the table or coming over for dinner. And in your grief, God is near. You're not alone. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. In your joy, God is near. In your celebration, God is near. In your crisis, God is near. In your conflict, God is near. For you, this Christmas, where does Jesus want to show up? And as we worship together, we invite you to come up and receive communion. Communion, this reminder of Jesus that that night he was betrayed, the night that he'd be led to his death, the night that his birth pointed to 30 years prior, would take that bread of the Passover and he would break it and he would say, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. And every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. The body of Christ given for us, the presence of God with us from this point forward. And he would take that cup, the cup of the Passover, and he'd say, this cup is my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins, the blood of a new covenant. And we take communion, these elements that we have up here on the stage or at the table on the sides. It's an act of faith, an act of surrender, of recognizing that that baby born in Bethlehem, that baby that came to die, wasn't just any baby, but was God in the flesh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we surrender to him who surrendered his life for us. And maybe for you, tonight is about remembering who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Maybe you need to get on your knees and, and surrender in the same way that those shepherds showed up and went to Jesus and then came back from that moment changed by Jesus. Or maybe for you, the best Christmas present you could receive is the first time to surrender your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior, to receive his forgiveness, his grace, his love, his presence. Because we know that baby that came born to die, that 30 years later would hang on that cross, that three days after that cross would rise again from the dead. Jesus Christ, alive. Emmanuel, God with us, wasn't just a moment in time. Emmanuel, God with us, is a moment that we step into even right now. The Bible says that whoever will receive him, he will give the right to become children of God. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you on this Christmas Eve and all the craziness and the busyness. We pause and remember what it's all about. 
And that moment that changed history 2,000 years ago, Lord, I'm begging you, would it be a moment even right now that would change our lives, or that would change the direction of our lives, that some of us have wandered away, some of us feel really lost, some of us feel really scared, some of us are really angry and confused. And I pray in a powerful, a, a, a personal, specific way, Lord, would you make it known to every person here how you're showing up for them, even right now in this moment, the way you showed up for all of us 2,000 years ago. So, Lord, we declare Jesus Christ is King. open our hearts and we make room in our lives to receive you and all that you have. And in the precious and powerful name of Jesus, we pray.